Podcast. Welcome to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs like you build the wealth and lifestyle you deserve. My name is Nicholas Jensen, bringing you the secrets behind the relationships, strategies, and mindset of the most successful people on the planet. Showing you how to collapse time frames in order to win at business, money, and the adventures of life. You don't know what you don't know, so I'm here to show how the wealthy live, think, and make their money grow. It's time to live the life that you deserve. I'm, I'm here to help. My, my name is Nicholas Jensen. And, and this is Unlimited Wealth. Hey, you. Welcome back to Unlimited Wealth. My name is Nicholas Jensen. Thank you for joining us again today. Today, we've got a fantastic guest with us. I think I say that on every episode, but... I'm always intrigued by the, the guests that I talk to, but today we are joined by the president of Reclaim Tax Incentives, Mr. Sam Denton. Their company focuses on business owners and showing business owners and helping business owners different ways in which they can obtain tax credits that they may not be aware of. So, uh, thanks for joining me, Sam. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nick. How's, uh, how's life down there in Louisiana now that we're in the midst of, are you guys in the middle of or at the tail end of COVID? Or do you man, know? Well, yeah, I don't even know, man. Definitely 2020 has been uh, an interesting year for sure. Um, but, you know, it's it's obviously all state specific, it feels like at this moment. And um, so, yeah, we're, you know, if, if you're not wearing a mask, uh, there might be like heavy regulatory, like punitive things against you, you know, and I, I don't say that derogatorily, just that's reality. And, uh, you know, dealing with the summer down here in South Louisiana and the humidity. So just, just taking one day at a time with it. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta love that. So, hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your company, how it came about. And uh, we'll kind of talk about some of these different advantages that business owners can, can uh, tap into that they may not be aware of at this point. Yeah, sure, man. I've been in the financial services industry for 13 years now. I started in the traditional services, uh, tr- traditional world with brokerage services, with, uh, with stocks, bonds, mutual funds, insurance products, and then uh, read a book called Risk Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, screwed me up in a good way, and then got into um, alternative investment, insurance planning, and also tax incentives. And actually, we started this company when actually I learned about this from my company, and we found um, you know, just, just south of, of six figures for incentives and credits for my company. And I knew that CPAs weren't focusing on this. Um, if they were, certainly I would have uh, wanted to know more about it. And so it's a totally different business model than traditional tax planning. And we just saw that the need and the opportunity to expose these niche federal and state tax incentives and credits to business owners and you know, our model is an incentive and recovery model where if we find a dollar for you, we, we take a, a small percentage of that or we introduce niche tax savings and we use the tax savings to pay for our fee as well. So just just saw an opportunity finding money and, you know, ways that were against the grain that traditional tax planning didn't focus on. And I've been doing this for about five years, actually started our own setup here about a year and a half ago. And um you know, working with business owners across the country right now and um, just taking one day at a time with it. Oh man, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's start with, when you look at, at business owners and we, you know, this podcast focuses on creating wealth and, and building wealth. And part of that is increasing cash flow. One of the ways to increase cash flow is to reduce our taxes. Mm-hmm. And so your company specifically focuses on business owners or helping business owners to reclaim some of those tax incentives mm-hmm. that they have not taken advantage of because they didn't know about them or their CPA didn't tell it, 
tell them that they were uh, available to them. So let's talk spe- specifically, what tax incentives are you talking about specifically that business owners are not aware of, or most business owners aren't aware of that you're helping them take advantage of? Yeah, sure. I mean, we're trying to diversify and specialize in a number of tax credits, but really the the most lucrative and um, also unknown tax credit out there is the research and development tax credit. It's been around since since 1981, but it's gotten more popular here in the last so many years. And Congress has introduced a a permanent um, tax provision to keep this credit in existence here in the States. Now, even with that, I don't know what permanent means with governmental entities, but we think it's going to be around for a long time because they're encouraging businesses to, you know, spark um, innovation in the economy and use engineering principles and science and to take risk and to, you know, to innovate and to just re- you really use uh, training and development to increase uh, research and development within their company. And so that's the main one that we're focusing on. We're using other hiring and training incentives, manufacturing incentives, healthcare incentives, um, oil and gas and, um, you know, chemical type incentives as well. But the main one we're focused on is the R&D tax credit because it's just a, it's a completely different business model for CPAs to focus on. So we take it and run with it. And ultimately, if a, if a company is, is improving or developing a new uh, product or process, a technique, a formula or software, you know, um, inside their company with their employees or they sub it out, or if they expense supplies for, you know, that and the, you know, the information is backed by uh, the hard sciences of physical science or biology, engineering, software development, so on and so forth, and they get a credit for it. And usually that credit is around five to 10% of those expenses that they sub out for contractors or employees per year. And it's, it's really such a lucrative federal and also state tax credit as well. So it, it's, a, it's a, a credit that we're focusing on that probably will not expire until a very long time. And, um, you know, there, there's a way for business owners to recover cash flow. And you could do this by your current tax returns or you could go back and amend, you know, the last the IRS allows you to amend the last three years for your tax returns as well. So we could actually go back and find cash flow that way by just looking at your um, activities with it with a brief questionnaire. Um, so that's really what we're focusing on. When you talk about R&D or when I think about R&D, I think about high tech firms, right? That that's mm-hmm. what they're focused on is, is building new technology, innovating uh, new technology, existing technology, making it, making it so much better. So I, when you talk about R&D, that's what I think of, mm-hmm. but sure. I've known you for a while and I know that that's not the case. What types of companies or what types of businesses have you been able to recapture R&D credits for? Like what types of businesses qualify for these types of, of credits? Yeah, sure. No doubt. And to speak to your point, I mean, this, this credit is a, a widely misunderstood, um, you know, it's just a credit that's not known very well. It's been in, ex- in and out of existence for almost 40 years. And they started it to, you know, to encourage, um, you know, technology and, you know, people stirring uh, chemicals in a lab somewhere wearing a white coat. That's not what it is now. So a lot of the industries that we're focusing on are engineering, manufacturing, construction, excuse me, architectural, also software development, um, technology. Uh, also, you know, and th- those are the, the hotbed of the industries out there. But we probably work with about 50 to 70 different industries. And, you know, we, we've worked in the healthcare space with dentists and chiropractors and foot and ankle doctors um, because we're essentially 
you know, either from a task-based standpoint or a project-based standpoint, they're doing certain things to improve or develop or create or modify processes or products or techniques in their business that is backed by principles of engineering or science or biology. And they're taking risk with those processes and they're trying to make it better. And so, so many different industries qualify for it. Maybe we could uh, maybe I could be here for three hours and we could kind of go through the industries. I'm obviously being sarcastic, but there, there's a, the main industries you focus on are engineering, construction, manufacturing, and architectural, and also software development. Those are just, um, you know, e easy industries to focus on, but there's probably like 50 to 70 to 75 different, different industries out there that we could at least take a percentage of what they're doing to help them qualify for these tax credits. So it seems like because it's so vague, if you will, as far as what the criteria is, maybe it's maybe it's more appropriate to to talk about what industries don't qualify for. for <laughs> so for yeah, if I have a business, can you name off some industries that like, hey, if you're in this business, don't waste your time because you're not going to be able to qualify for it. And everybody else, it may be something you may want to look into because there's an opportunity for you to cap recapture some of the, that, uh, that tax. Yeah, sure. I would say industries and you're right. Um, there, there's a broad, uh, net that can be cast out for these industries. Um, but some industries that immediately don't qualify are industries that are in the, the social sciences or the arts and humanities <clears throat> or industries that are in like pure retail or pure service type industries, or if they have like a brokerage type setup for that, because the IRS is encouraging, innovation with with development of different products and techniques backed by these you know sciences or these technological processes so normally it's hard to find credits or found money in those different industries brokerage brokers type environments or service industries or the retail environment um, or even like the food service space um, you know so those are those are all industries along with arts, um, sciences and humanities or social sciences that are just not relevant. And, um, uh, it's not what the IRS or Congress is trying to incentive as far as sparking innovation in, in the economy. I see. So you talk about, I mean, it's been around since the eighties, right? These tax mm -hmm. incentives, is that correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. So why, why is it just becoming more widely known now or why have people not really known about them in the past? Yeah, sure. I mean, <clears throat> it's, uh, I think number one, um, you know, it, it really, it's a systematic problem to where, you know, business owners go to get tax advice from obviously CPAs, not saying CPAs are the problem, but CPAs have a whole business model to where they're doing tax returns and might do bookkeeping or payroll or additional service type services that they can offer to their clients. And it's a, it's a truly whole other business model for a CPA to focus on whether it's tax credits or tax incentives or tax resolution. So I think that's the first thing. It's a systematic issue. And the second thing as well, you know, there's this misnomer. Well, I'm not doing research or I'm not doing development type activities or I'm not big enough to qualify for them. You know, only the big boys out there can qualify for these type credits. So I think that's the second thing. And, uh, you know, I think the third thing, you know, business owners are so, so busy in their craft and, you know, trying to increase revenue and, um, you know, within their business. Um, there's just not a lot of education out there um, with like what what's regulatory actions have proposed um, 
with what's going on in the credit. So recently in 2015, they made these permanents, uh, they made these credits permanent, excuse me. And they also introduced a simplified credit method to where you don't have to supply as much documentation. In the past, you had to, if you'd been in business for eight years, you had to supply all eight years of tax returns to get the best bang for your buck for the credit calculation. And now you could, you know, just get three years um, for, for a simplified credit method. So the IRS is making it a little bit easier. They've also changed the definition of who can qualify for these credits over the years. So I think it's just, it's evolved and, you know, in, in nature with the credit. And, um, you know, I think slowly and surely uh, it'll create more awareness for businesses eventually. You talked about uh, CPAs. Um, one of my frustrations with with CPAs are, you're always trying to find, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to bag CPAs. Right. I'm not saying anything bad about CPAs. I think it's, as you talked about, it's more of a systematic problem, right? Mm-hmm. But when talking with a, a CPA, I'm always wanting to talk forward thinking, like what can sure. I do proactively to help reduce my tax bill? Mm-hmm. What I find a lot, and I've only been through, you know, two or three different CPAs, but what I find a lot is it maybe starts out that way, but then it ends up being like, here's your tax return. And there's not a lot of like forward thinking, planning type stuff. But the other thing with business owners is they tend to, once that relationship is established, they tend to really trust their CPA. So if you're approaching a business owner saying, hey, we've got these tax incentives that the IRS has allowed businesses to have, Mm -hmm. the first question that seems like would come up is, well, why hasn't my CPA told me about this, sure. right? Like, why am I going to trust you, you know, reclaim tax incentives versus the CPA I've been working with for 10 years Sure. and he said nothing about it. Sure. <laughs> so like, how, like, how, like, how do you even answer that question? Yeah. You know, and I say this sarcastically and respectfully towards CPAs, you know, CPAs, it, they do have the uh, the, the, the best, you know, financial designation or prestige in the industry with a certified professional accountant degree and in, in education. So, you know, but they are treated like God, um, in some ways, you know, in, in the, the finance and tax world. Um, so yeah, you should, my disclaimer is you should always consult your, your CPA or tax professional. And we are not that we're a consulting firm. Um, you know, so I think ultimately, you know, it's one of two things, either you develop a trusting, you know, type relationship with your CPA and you rely on them, you know, to refer, uh, you know, you to a consulting firm like us or someone out there or number two, which what I would encourage, I would encourage that, you know, and you and I probably believe the same philosophy, the best investment you can make is in yourself and for you to look at options, you know, just to better, better your business with improving your cash flow or finding tax incentives that, that might be out there and say, Hey, here's what I'm looking at, Mr. or Mrs. CPA, but also just to search it on your own as well. Um, and, and not totally depend or rely on them to encourage or discourage you to make financial or tax related decisions. So it's really, I think taking more ownership, you know, as a business owner, whether it's your investments, your insurance, your 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 you know bookkeeping, your your tax related activities, and and just just having a little bit more autonomous type decision making processes within your business, um, 
the, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer that that's kind of what we've essentially landed on because we have worked with a lot of CPAs and you know, you, you will have some business owners that will only trust them. Now, the way that we're, I would say, adding value to that is we want to build rapport with those CPAs. We want to educate them. We want to give them good content and give them the warm and fuzzies that they would need to, to feel good in signing off or giving their approval. Here, I'm going to chase a, a quick squirrel real quick. I think CPAs, they're, they see the IRS as like kind of the, the devil in the corner in some ways. And so that they don't want to poke the bear that is out there because they have, they're on the phone with the IRS probably every year. And in a way that's like that lightning rod has like hit them and they just, they want to stay in that lane of like not upsetting the IRS, which I understand that. So it's just that they're the sum of their life experiences with that and business. And so, but I think if we can educate them like, Hey, here's what the tax code says. Here's education of these, these activities you have to qualify. Here's how the business is doing this to qualify for it. And we just break it down with them and build that relationship with them. So is there a right or wrong way to do it? Probably not, but we're, we're trying to do it through education, you know, value add with content and, um, you know, just, just a approach with education. So do you find uh, business owners are scared of being audited when they kind of go down this road? I mean, especially if it's, if the CPA is cautious, cause that's not really what they focus on. Um, you're, you're coming in, you know, from a different angle saying, Hey, these are available to you. Here's the tax code. Here's some education around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, are business owners concerned about audit? Cause I mean, at the end of the day, you want from my perspective, in a tax perspective, you want to push the envelope, right? You, I don't want mm-hmm. to pay one penny more than right. I'm required to pay to the government, but I, I'm willing to, to pay my fair share. And I understand that the government has put the tax code in place to incentivize different mm-hmm. activities, right? Sure. Owning real estate is one of those activities that is incentivized by the IRS. These tax credits are another um, incentive by the IRS to take advantage of. But on that same note, do you find that business owners are concerned about poking that bear and raising the red flag to where they become audited or, uh, or audited? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And I think it, it truly is all dependent on who we're working with. So if we have a business owner, you know, that is probably a little bit more, they're not dumb or stupid, but like more ignorant on, on kind of what we're doing or the tax code or what have you, or they rely purely on a tax professional to help them with that. They're definitely more cognizant of like, I, it's a fear-based punitive type, you know, reaction to like where I don't want to get audited versus someone that's probably a little bit more um, invested in the tax code or looking for opportunities out there to minimize, um, you know, taxation or increase their cash flow. We have found that those, um, uh, not saying they're not concerned about audited, being audited, but they understand like, hey, here's what the tax code is incentivizing and they're just following kind of the breadcrumbs to get there. So it definitely all depends based on the knowledge level from my understanding, you know, and I would say whenever you amend a tax return, which is most of our activities, it, it does open up a, you know, an extra tier per se for the IRS to just to look at it a little bit more closely, just like a regular tax return. But I think it's also, you know, the IRS is mainly looking at the industry that is applying for these credits and also the amount. Now you could get audited for anything, any time or day of the week. Um, but it, it's, if we find, you know, half a million dollars for a business versus like $30,000, they're, they're probably going to pay attention more to the half a million dollar number versus the 30,000. 
And about 80 of these, you know, the, the refunds have been anywhere from 10,000 to um, 180,000. We haven't experienced an audit yet, but I think it's just because we're kind of staying in a niche pocket lane of finding credits on average around $50,000. Not saying the IRS won't audit that, but they're definitely going to have their eyes opened of something that's multiple six figures versus 20, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 type deal. So, so yes, to answer your question, business owners, that is an obstacle we have to overcome with them. But I think as they become more enlightened and educated, they, they feel good about, you know, going through this process. So did I hear you correctly? Uh, in the year and a half you've been in business, you guys have not, none of your clients have been audited yet. I mean, not, that's not saying it's not going to happen at some point, but yeah. <clears throat> at this point, nobody's been audited. Yeah, correct. No, we haven't. Now, usually an audit takes place, um, you know, just, just being, you know, uber frank is, you know, if someone did it today, it's probably, you know, a year and a half to two and a half years later, okay. if there's an audit. So you, we're probably not in that time frame either. But also we're choosing not to be in a space to where we're not finding seven figures of refunds for businesses or you know, or five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand, we, we might, but it's not, it's not the space that we're trying to be targeted in just because we know on our end, that'll reduce the chance of audit. So we definitely are, our, our focus for sure is to, is to minimize any chance of audit risk. And I think we're doing that from, if a business owner comes to, to work with us, you know, we, we want to get, um, you know, a lot of documentation. The IRS says, Hey, you need contemporaneous documentation, um, which ultimately what that means is we're just trying to be as thorough as possible with tax returns, balance sheets, profit loss, employee census. And we build a case on our end on how they're eligible for these credits, depending on, on what we find. So most incentive and recovery firms, I don't want to say they don't do that, but they're not getting as much documentation as we are. Um, and so we're just, we're just trying to make the case bulletproof to make sure we minimize audit, any chance of audit risk and, um, you know, just keep everything smooth and clean. But it's probably, I, I anticipate it's probably relative too, right? If you're going to, if somebody's going to get a half a million dollar tax credit, but the There's revenue is a hundred million dollars, that's one thing versus sure. somebody getting a half million dollar tax credit, but their revenue has only been 5,000 or $5 million. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm sure the IRS looks at it like, Hey, you know, this is relative, you know, a $50,000 tax credit mm-hmm. on $2 million worth of revenue. You yeah. know, that's, that's probably part of that issue as well. Oh yeah, no doubt. And you know, the, the things that we, we, we essentially go by and abide by um, like an audit technique guide. So we're following that for every case, but also there's something called the consistency ratio to where, you know, if we're going back and looking at a business owners, you know, tax returns for the last three years, if we say like one year, they're eligible to get this credit, the next year, they're eligible to get like a consistent amount of credits. And then the, the next year it spikes a good bit. Well, definitely the IRS is going to see that. It's not going to abide within that consistency rule or ratio. And it'll definitely increase the chance of, of, of audit piece. It's so really what we do for that is, you know, if, if a business is saying, hey, I'm doing, you know, 40% of our activities related to these, you know, type credits, we're trying to be as conservative as possible and make it stay in line from a consistency standpoint over those three years. So we definitely, you know, have insurance not, not insurance policies, but like insurance or defense mechanisms in place as like a buffer just to make sure we're just minimizing, you know, chance of audit and uh, just keeping things, like I said, clean and smooth. But you're definitely right. If someone's making a hundred million, it's, it's all going to be relative to their revenue and their expenses related to these activities. 
So you've talked about the three-year mark several times. Are business owners, can they go back? Can they only go back like every so often? Can they only go back every three years? Or is this something they, they can look at every year? How does that work? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So initially you can go back for three years. So if someone did it today, um, unless they filed an extension for their tax returns for, for this year, um, they, they can only go back for 2017, 2018, and 19. And so once you've done that for these credits, you've pretty much exhausted you know, the opportunity to go back for that time frame. Now, if you were unsatisfied, I guess you could do it again and try and find some more. Um, but but normally that, that's not a good decision. So yeah, just, just stopping there. And then the credits can be carried forward up to 20 years. So ultimately, if a business owner pays, you know, $30,000 in, in federal tax per year, and we find, let's say, $50,000 of, of credits, well, that credit will zero out what they paid. So we're essentially just doing a subtraction problem from 50 minus the 30,000 in tax they paid. And we could carry that, that difference, which would be $20,000 to the next year. If they, of course, keep doing those activities, number one. And number two, just to speak to your question, yeah, every year they can take advantage of those credits with the carry forwards that they would have for that, you know, for the previous to the, the, um, the next year, you know, and as they're doing and expensing different activities, they will always be eligible for that, obviously, if, if they meet the criteria and eligibility for it. So the first year, that, that first swoop of going back the last three years, obviously, we have more potential to find more, you know, more tax credits there. And then moving forward, we could obviously look at it every year, you know, if it makes mathematical sense. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Cool, man. Give us some give us some uh, examples of businesses you've been able to help. Like, just it. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. don't want to divulge sensitive information, but what? Yeah. Give us a couple examples of what type of business you help. Their you know gross revenue versus how much credit you were able to get them to kind of give uh, listeners an idea of hey, I you know I fall close to that industry. Maybe this is something that I can look into. Yeah, sure thing. I mean, we're actually finding a little bit of a niche with construction companies. So I'll start there. So, you know, construction companies do a lot of different things. They can be represented as general contractors, as subcontractors, and can, you know, mess in multiple different industries, whether it's civil, industrial, there's a number of different things they could obviously dabble in. But, you know, one construction company that we work with, they, you know, their gross revenue is around $5 million. Their expenses were around $4 million. They, um, they paid subcontractors a, a, a lot of those expenses for the design work, the, the HVAC work, for engineering costs, so on and so forth. So ultimately, construction companies are a little bit differently because they are expensing costs to, to contractors, and the IRS has a different formula if you're paying contractors versus keeping it in-house. And so, you know, with those numbers, we were able to find around $40,000 for them, um, we determined they, they spent around 20% of their activities related to, you know, like a research and development tax credit. So we're working with a lot of construction companies there. Those, those are um, great, I would say, great industries to work with because the IRS loves project-based environments. So any industries that are working within like a, a project-based standpoint, you know, they have 10 to 15 projects per year. That was this company's um, number of projects that they were working with. No, or if you work with companies that like manufacture things. So every project, they're doing certain activities based on design work or development work or, or engineering work as well. So it, it's just an easier narrative to, 
<clears throat> to connect and explain to the IRS. We've also worked with, you know, for some reason we work with dentists and chiropractors in the healthcare space, and we're not going to find as much money there. We're finding anywhere from ten thousand to thirty thousand dollars there, and you know these are to where you know uh, depending on the dentist, depending on the chiropractor, we won't, we won't find it for every one of them. But you know, in the healthcare space, they're leveraging different technological processes or leveraging just different technology that wasn't there five, 10 years ago from x-rays to, um, you know, to therapeutic type technology or what have you. And we're just showing how they're, they're innovating and it doesn't have to be new to the industry, just has to be new or improved to their business. So, you know, we've been able to, to find that dollar amount for these, you know, businesses and just, you know, get some credits back for them in the healthcare space. Um, we're also working with companies in the engineering and architectural space, you know, to where they're, they're doing different um, uh, design elements for energy or environment friendly type, you know, setups. So we're able to help them with these, you know, you know, credits. We work with HVAC companies and um, air conditioning companies to where they're, they're doing different things with um, when they're installing or developing systems for their AC and, and heating type type units as well. So I can honestly probably go on for another 20 or 30 minutes just on the different industries because each industry or even business has different um, mechanism that they're using for design work or engineering work or, you know, or just creating things that are, or they're taking risks back by, you know, science and nature. And mainly that science that we're using is, is or just principles of engineering. Um, and so um, there's just so many industries that we can work with. Um, those are just some of the examples. That's great. So if, if there's business owners out there that want to kind of connect with you and figure out, Hey, you know, would this work for me? What's, what's the process? What, you know, let's say I, I own a business, an HVAC company. I'm like, Hey man, this may be something I could, I could tap into. What's the process to go through? Is it like, do I give you my, my child and my right arm or, or is it a pretty you know smooth process? What can they expect? Yeah, no, just a sample of their blood. No, I'm kidding. No, so, <laughs> no, it, it's similar to, not that I, I like comparing things to like an underwriting process with a bank, but, you know, our model is, is simply we have, there's an underwriting process. And so there, there's about a, a seven to 10 page, you know, questionnaire that, that we ask with the business owner. There's no cost except their time. So it takes about 45 minutes, maybe an hour and a half, depending on, you know, the size of their business and their business activities. And, you know, we, we just essentially have reverse engineered questions to see what type of activities they may do to qualify for these tax credits. And then we send that to, a, we have a research analyst um, department to where they will research their business. So there's pretty much an underwriting phase for about three to five business days. And, you know, we do that in a way to where there's no costs up front. CPA firms handle this in a different way to where they say, you know what, there's going to be a cost or retainer engagement for us to um, underwriter see what you're eligible for. So we take a little bit of risk up front to where there's no cost that way. And in three to five business days, we give them a essentially kind of like an estimate or a teaser um, type proposal of what we think we could find. It's a range, you know, based on the last three years, it's not hundred percent accurate, but it, but it gives them a level of accuracy to make some um, decisions um, to where, you know, to, to give us the documentation we need to move forward so after that, um, we try and we get the last three years of tax returns or balance sheets, profit and loss statements, 
Um, we schedule a call for their employee information as well, because that's where we have to determine what employees are doing what to qualify for the credit. And we document that. And then we're just creating our own internal um, documentation and processes that we'll send to the IRS as well. And that takes around two to three weeks. Documents will be uploaded securely to one of our qualified tax professionals or CPAs. And then after that, there's just a phone call to where we'll say, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Business Owner, we found you know, this dollar amount to the penny of what you will get back. And you know, if you want to move forward, there, there's a down payment involved or and an engagement agreement. And I would say just kind of on a side note, who knows how long the, or when this podcast will air, but or, and who knows how long COVID will be, keep going on. So we're trying to you know, just work with the business based on the industry, if they've been impacted or not with COVID for that to make it a win-win. But yeah, after that, we you know, get a down payment and we file and amend their returns. We have a tracking link as well to do that. Normally, it would take six to 12 weeks to get their, their refunds back. But now the IRS literally was shut down earlier in the year from COVID and they're just tremendously behind. So it, it's around four to six months right now as far as a turnaround time. There's no way really to speed that up. And, and so that, that's kind of the process. And on the back end, they, they get their checks and we'll get the rest of the, the fee for the engagement agreement. So it's a, uh, on our end, it's pretty time intensive, but we try to make it, um, you know, for the business owner to where you have 45 minutes to an hour and a half up front of your time. Then we give you an estimate of what we think we could find. Then we try and work with an assistant, an HR person, a bookkeeper, the business owner himself or a CPA to get the documentation we need two to three process after that to give them a, a final result. And then they make a decision based on that. And um, we just kind of go from there. And okay. So, so let me make sure I've, I've got this. Um, me as a business owner, I give you 45 minutes of my time. You mm-hmm. give me a rough estimate. I give you more documentation, a little bit more of my time. You give me an exact estimate of what you're going to find. And then at that point, I make a decision, hey, do I want you to increase my cash flow by giving me tax incentives and it's going to cost me X amount or do I hate money and I just tell you to pound sand? Is that, did I get that right? right. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, we, we want okay. it to, it's, and that is an obstacle that we find. We're like, man, this, this kind of sounds a little bit, not too good, but why haven't I heard of this before from the CPA, which you've kind of already addressed. So yeah, we just try and make it, um, we're taking a little bit of risk up front, um, but we're trying to just expose business owners to these opportunities. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Hey, Sam, if somebody wants to get a hold of you um, and take advantage of this, how do, how, how do they connect with you? Yeah, so I mean, feel free to connect with us over email to info at reclaim-solutions.com um, or they can reach us on our business line at area code 225 317 9993. So 2253179993. We're located down here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So either by email or by phone. Awesome. And if you guys send uh, send Sam an email, make sure you put in there that you heard him on the Unlimited uh, Wealth Podcast. And then that way I can hold him accountable to take care of you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that'd be great, man. That'd be great hey. for sure. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Sam. I think this is uh, this is valuable information. I mean, we're all about creating wealth here. Part of that is increasing our cash flow, lowering our taxes. I think this is a great opportunity for business owners to be able to reclaim some of that money. Um, and so, I would highly encourage you that are listening to this 
reach out to Sam and take advantage of this. And thank you for listening to us. We will talk to you next time. See ya. If you want to learn more about me, you can visit my website at www.nicholascjensen.com or follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Nicholas Jensen underscore. That's at Nicholas Jensen underscore. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform because you do not want to miss out. We'll see you next time on Unlimited Wealth.